Well, welcome to New Hope. We're so glad that you came at Christmas. As you were sitting down, on your tables, you should have some outlines which will help you figure out where I'm going along this message. We want to say welcome and let's focus on Christmas, the purpose of Christmas. The world is focused on Christmas right now. About 2,000 years ago, in the Middle East, in a little unknown podunk place in the boonies, a baby was born with no fanfare. Yet today and tomorrow, depends on which time zone you're in, billions of people will stop work. They'll go to a service, they'll gather in homes to celebrate Christmas. Question, what makes Christmas so special that it could stop the world? Well, the fact is the birth of Jesus Christ is the most significant event in history. Every date that you write references Jesus Christ's birth date. That's the focus. And today, we're going to quickly look at the purpose of Christmas. Because it's very easy to forget in the rush to get things prepared, in the rush to get everything done, with all the traffic and no car parks, what is the actual purpose of Christmas? Why do we celebrate? And why do we go to all this effort? Why do we do that? Well, at the very first birth of Christmas, the angel announced to the shepherds, Christmas is a time for three things. Straight out of the angel's mouth. Christmas is a time for one, celebration. Secondly, it's a time for salvation. And thirdly, it's a time for reconciliation. We're going to look at how these three words, celebration, salvation, and reconciliation can literally change your life for eternity. Picking it up, Luke chapter 2, first verse on your outline and up on the screen. It says, there were shepherds out in a field nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. Not a little bit of joy, great joy. That will be for all people. So what is the first purpose of Christmas? The first purpose of Christmas is it is a celebration. Why do we celebrate? Well, the angel said there, I bring you good news of great joy, and it's for everybody. What is the good news at Christmas? Well, when God sent Jesus Christ to earth, it affirms three other things. It affirms, number one, God loves you. It affirms that God is with us, Emmanuel, God with us. And three, God is for us. Three reasons worthy of celebration. First, God loves us. Very famous verse all of us have heard in John 3.16. It says this, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish or be eternally separated, but instead have eternal or everlasting life. Now that is great news. It's better news than somebody just paid your mortgage off. That only lasts for 30, 40 years. This is eternal. 
That's good news. God so loved the world. That's why he sent Jesus. So Christmas is God saying to you that I, the God of heaven, the God who created the cosmos, love you personally. He loves you on your good days. And he, does, and he loves you on your bad days. Because God's love is not based on your performance, but it's based on his unchanging character. God doesn't have bad days. He doesn't have moody days. He loves you when you're grumpy, and he loves you when you're happy. He sent his son to earth to die rather than live without you. So, now, not only does God love you, but he is secondly, he is with you. He's with you. Many of you, like I was early in my life, was ab- have been abandoned. I was abandoned by my dad. He just walked clean out of our lives and left our family a wreck. And many of you have been abandoned in life. And if, it's you, if that's you and you felt the pain of being abandoned, I'm really, really sorry that you've had to experience that. But I will tell you this. People are fickle. God is always faithful. He never changes. He will never, ever leave you. He will never abandon you. God says, I not only love you, but I'm with you all the time. You just need to be aware of it. See, right now, right in this room, there are radio waves going through here. That's a scientific fact. Problem is, you're not aware of it because you're not tuned into it. And it's the same with God. He's ever-present. We just need to tune into him. You need to be aware of him. That means that you don't have to face anything in 2017 by yourself because he's with you all the time. God says there again on your outline, I will never leave you like my dad did. I will never abandon you. And I don't have to worry or be anxious about what's going to happen because when God is near, I find this, you lose your fear. Let me just say that one more time. When you sense God is near, you will lose your fear. So if you're lonely this Christmas, you, my friend, can turn to Jesus Christ and know that the comfort of of that relationship with him in your heart. So not only is God loving you, he's not only with you, but the Bible says, this is cool, God is for you. In fact, the Bible says this, God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but rather to save it. That's worthy of celebration. And that's why the very first words of the angel was, don't be afraid. I shouldn't be afraid because he says, I love you, I'm with you, and I'm for you. And whichever way you look at that, that is great news. That's why we celebrate. The first purpose of Christmas is celebration. Now, the second purpose of Christmas is salvation. That's the second thing that the angels mention here when they announce the birth of Jesus. It says here, today in the town of David, that's Bethlehem, a savior, there's a salvation part, has been born to you. Notice it's personal, to you. For you, a personal savior. Not some nebulous force for you. And he is Christ. Who is this? Very clear. Christ the Lord. Salvation has three dimensions, friends. One, you are saved from your past, your sins, your guilt. Saved from your worry and your bitterness. And then you're also saved for a purpose whilst you're here. 
there's a positive aspect. God has a purpose and he has a plan for your life. And then thirdly, you're saved by grace. I love this. That literally means you don't have to earn it. And you and I don't deserve it. So first, you're saved from your sin. That's what Jesus' name means. Joseph was told in a dream these words. Joseph, when this baby comes, it wasn't. Now what shall we call him? He was told exactly what to call him. Here it is on the screen. Give him, Jesus, the name Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sin. What is sin? Sin is an eye problem. It sounds like this today. Here's what it sounds like. I don't need God. I'm doing just fine, thank you very much. Sin is saying, well, actually, God, I know what will make me happy more than you do. Even though you are my creator, and I don't quite get that, I still think I know better than you. That's I. See, I, the middle letter of sin, I. And even though, this is another way it looks, even though I know you say don't do that for my own good, I think I know better and I'm going to do it. That attitude causes us to be separated from God. And that, that's called sin. And sin causes the burden of worry. It shows up in anxiety. It shows up in fear. It shows up in this weird feeling that even though we're busy deep inside, there's a gnawing sense of emptiness. It can show up in shame and guilt in your life. It can show up in total confusion. It can show up in bitterness and regret and grudges. It can show up in conflict between you and somebody else. Now, God does not want you carrying around all of that. So first, you need to be saved from your sin so that you're not carrying all this garbage with your, you from your past into your, into your future and present. Secondly, you need to be saved for a purpose. God says here, I want to save you for my purpose. Because he created you, so he knows what he, how, to, how you sh- would optimize this life that he's given to you. The Bible says this, he saved us and he called us to be his own people. Not because of what we've done, but because of his own purpose and grace. See, God called us to a holy life. This salvation has nothing to do with our merits, but it was purely because of his own purpose and his grace. This is the very core of the Christian gospel. You are made to know God, know his purpose in your life, and live it. And because his purpose for all of us is to be his own people, I want to suggest to some of you that there will always be a hole in your heart, a gap, where you feel empty if you continue to run from God. Nothing can ever replace him. No experience, no job, no possession, nothing can ever replace him. No lasting satisfaction and significance can be ultimately found in living for yourself. Let me put it another way. Nothing but the ultimate will ultimately satisfy you in the long run. So Jesus said, I want to save you from your past sins. I want to save you for a purpose. And then he says this, I want to save you by my grace. Now before the beginning of time, 
Christians were granted this unearned favor. We were, although we were made aware of it through the appearing of our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. You see, you and I can't be good enough to get into heaven because heaven is a perfect place. And I'm not perfect and neither are you. So I'm going to get in on somebody else's ticket and Jesus Christ, who was perfect because he was God, gives me that opportunity. God says, I will give you my grace. What is grace? Grace is when God gives you what you need, not what you deserve. That's what grace is. God says, I'm going to take your problem and I'm going to make it my problem. Some people like to remember it. A real easy way, Asher, to remember that is God's riches at Christ's expense. G-R-A-C-E. God's riches at Christ's expense. G-R-A-C-E. So the Bible says this, it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. And it is not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of work, so that nobody can boast about it. So in other words, that verse tells you and I, we cannot earn our way into heaven. What a gift. So you're going to quit trying to do it yourself. For some of you, this Christmas season, there's a sentence I want to give you as a stress reliever. Here it is, very simple. God is God, and you are not. God is God, and you are not. That's why we celebrate, because he sent a Savior. So the first purpose of Christmas is celebration. I bring you good news of great joy, and it's for everybody. Second purpose of Christmas is salvation. For unto you is born this day a Savior, and he is Christ the Lord. The third and final purpose of Christmas is reconciliation. The third announcement that the angels said at the very first Christmas, notice, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. That's called reconciliation. What is reconciliation? It's when a broken relationship is restored. When a boyfriend and a girlfriend get back together. When a father and a son reconcile in their hearts. They restore harmony. They restore peace between each other. Where do you need peace in your life at this Christmas? Jesus, one of his names is called the Prince of Peace. What kind of peace does Jesus bring? Three types, and then we'll wrap up. But listen carefully to these pieces. First of all, there is peace with God. Then there's the peace of God. And then there's peace with each other. Christmas is about all three. First, you need to have peace with God. Today, though, if you're going to say, well, I'm going to run my own life and forget God, you're at odds with God. You need reconciliation because that relationship has been broken. And when you trust in Jesus Christ, he says, I'm going to completely wipe out everything that you've ever done wrong, and you're going to be completely forgiven. Come home. The Bible says that here. Now that we've been put right with God through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Question. Have you 
make peace with God. How do you do that? Well, you don't do it by promising to be good for never and ever, amen, and never sinning again. <laughs> That's not how you do that. Because you will. You make peace, it says, by putting your faith in God's grace. That's how you get it. Once you make peace with God, that spiritual peace, then you get this peace of God. And that's in your heart, and that's an emotional peace. So what happens is, your anxiety goes down, and your peace quotient goes up. Then you get the peace of God. This is emotional peace. This is the one that you need for daily living in the normal environment that we live. The peace of God happens in your heart when you made peace with God. And the stress goes down. Yeah, and this is what it looks like. You're just not as angry as you used to be. You're not as easily ticked off. And you're a lot more at peace. And you're filled with a whole much more love and peace than you used to have. The Bible says it like this. Don't worry about anything. But instead, pray about everything. See, if you prayed as much as you worry, you'd have a whole lot less to worry about. It's, worry is stewing without doing. And prayer can change these things. So he says, don't worry, pray. Again, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all that he's done. And if you do this, what does it say? You'll experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace, this is the precious part, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So once you make peace with God, then you get the peace of God in your heart. And then finally, you can start to make the peace with other people. God says, once I have shown you grace, here it is, free. I want you to show the same gratitude and love and grace towards other people. In other words, says, God says, I've cut you some slack, so why didn't you cut some other people a bit of slack? Don't hold them to such a heavy standard. Show them some grace. Be a peacemaker. Jesus said it like this. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. The peacemakers. Now, if you're really a child of God, if you really know the Christ, the Prince of Peace, you're going to be a peacemaker at home, not a troublemaker. You're going to be a peacemaker at work, not a stirrer. And you'll find that the balance will change from, if this is the balance, before maybe it was like this, criticism was down here and compliments are up here, you will find the balance starts to come back where it's more compliments and less criticism. Christmas is the perfect time to show grace to other people because we're reminded of the grace that God's shown us. That is, he gives us what we need, not what we deserve. So let me ask you a very frank question. Do you need to rebuild a relationship this Christmas? Or, let me put it more pointedly, who do you need to rebuild a relationship with? To restore a broken relationship with this Christmas. 
to reconcile in the spirit of Christmas? And the reason why I ask that question, because I know that some of you are letting people and allowing people from your past to hurt you in your present. But friend, they cannot hurt you anymore unless, listen carefully, you hold on to that hurt. They have no power over you the moment you let that go. It's hurting you more than anybody else if you're still holding. And you need to let it go. And you say, but it's so hard to do that. Here is a one-line secret to doing that. Once you truly feel forgiven, you don't have a problem forgiving. Let me get that order right. Once you truly feel forgiven, you don't have a problem forgiving. Jesus Christ says this to you. I can replace your frustration in your heart with peace. I can replace your guilt and your resentment and shame and grudges with forgiveness. I can replace your worry and anxiety with a confidence and faith. I can exchange your despair and depression for hope. I can take that emptiness and that purposelessness and give you meaning. I can take that confusion and give you clarity. But I'm not going to break the door down of your heart. You, like we sung today, have got to invite me in. Last verse. The Bible says this, it makes no difference who you are or where you're from. I'm glad for that part. If you want God and you're ready to do as he says, the door is open. God doesn't mind whether your background is no background, Catholic, Buddhist, Mormon, whatever you may be, Jewish or no religion. This is not about religion. God did not send Jesus to give you a religion. He came to give you a personal relationship with God. And I'm going to pray a prayer right now that I prayed many years ago. And in just a minute, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. And if these words express the desire in your heart, you can just say these words in your mind. Just say something like this when I'm saying this. In your mind, me too, God, I'm stepping across the line. Let's pray. As we bow our heads and pray, I'm going to pray. If this is you, just say, me too. Say, dear God, I want to get to know you, but I sure don't understand it all. But I thank you for this. That one, that you love me. Two, that you're with me, even when I don't recognize it, and I haven't recognized it. And three, that you're for me. I thank you that you didn't send Jesus to condemn me, but to save me. And I admit today, Lord, I never even realized I needed a Savior. But today I want to receive your Christmas gift of your Son. I ask you to save me from my sins, from my hurts, for my regrets that have messed up my life. Lord, would you save me from myself and 
Instead, save me for your purposes, my creator. I want to learn to love you and to trust you and to have a relationship with you. I need your peace. And I need you to put the peace that comes from you in my heart to take away that emptiness, that anxiety and that stress, but instead to fill me with your love and help me. Help me, Lord, to be a peacemaker this Christmas. To help others find the peace with you and each other. I pray this in the powerful name of our stunning Savior, Jesus Christ. And all those who loved him said, Amen.